So I just wanted to put it in that context that he's looking back at what he's just gone through. And they've gone through a very, very stressful time. So let's look at how it applies to us. I mean, here we are in the midst of, oh, this is not a Babylonian captivity. There has not been an invasion of the United States of America. This has been a trying time where people have been set at odds with each other because we're facing difficult circumstances, and many of us are handling it poorly. And I want us to handle it better. I want us to be able to handle it with the confidence, with the peace, with the security, and uh, with joy in our hearts and hope in, of the future glory on the horizon. So we have to be able to do that. So in that same context, we have to recognize we've done th- things wrong in the past. Not in America. Yeah. Come America. on. Yeah, in America. We've done things wrong in the past. But at and least now we're not. We got all that fixed now, don't we? No, we don't. It's, 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 uh, we, we aren't going to go there because you said don't go there. Listen, <laughs> I'm not talking about the nation as a whole. I'm, this is, uh, I'm really referring to the body of Christ. When we're talking about to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to strengthen and encourage the brethren, that's what we've been called to. So we're talking to people who are believers. If you're a non-believer, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please settle the issue right away. Don't wait another moment before you give in to the truth of Jesus Christ. Go ahead, Joe. That was supposed to be the the common denominator between, with Christians, is knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. But how, and it does tie us all together, but there are a lot of different denominations that just went off the deep end, so to speak. Well, I'm so sir, glad you brought that up, Joe. Uh, okay, well, go expound on that. <laughs> it is very clear that Daniel said, you know, it is recorded in your word. Mm-hmm. There's the problem, Joe. The problem is that any church, and this is, this is true of any church, and every church has the potential to fall away. Here's step one. Get away from the study of the word of God. If the Word of God is not at the foundation, if it's not at the core, if it's not taught to the people... Or, and the, or water it up. Water it down. Water it oh, down. yeah. Just water it down a little bit. Make it make it so everybody can understand it or, or can more or less associate... Feel comfortable the, with it. Oh, I like that. Make okay. people feel comfortable, comfortable with, with the, the Word, word of God. God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, you, you guys <laughs> both know, you know, we've been looking at the, the Word of God. Um, collectively, we've been walking with the Lord for a long time. And we've been in the Word for a long time. Very little of the Word of God makes me feel comfortable with it. It shouldn't. When I'm, it shouldn't. When I go through the Word of God, there's it. Uh, we get challenges, we get encouragement, we get uh, strengthened, but it also it points us to what should I do to be and to grow better. Go ahead, Joe. The tr- 12 tribes of Israel, how much different? In which one? What do you mean? All of them. How much different from each other in... We're like there's different denominations. Well, the twelve tribes of Israel weren't all the the same, right? That's true. You know, it's interesting. Uh, again, you guys are coming up with some uh, great analogies and illustrations. The twelve tribes of Israel. Uh, look at them. They all had the very same truth. They all had uh, the same father. So when you talk about the sons of Jacob, and you say. Jacob, whom God changed his name to Israel, which means led by God, 
And when God changed his name to Israel, all of the sons, they all had the same truth, the same opportunity, the same blessing that was given to them, that you can be magnificent if you stay true to the word of God, true to your calling, and true to the, you know, true to the Lord, true to his word, you will be successful. But if you won't, and then at the end of his life, Jacob then gave a blessing to each of his kids, and he said, but since you won't to this one, you're unstable as water, you're going to head over this path, and it's going to be terrible. And since you won't, I know this is going to happen to you. Joseph, you're going to be all right because you're going to do this. But Ephraim and Manasseh, these are some things that you're going to go through. And like, why are you saying this? Because the same father's heart said, I want all of you to have the very same opportunity for blessing. Sure, Levi, you're going to be a nation of priests. Yep, absolutely. Joseph, you received the blessing of the firstborns given to your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. That's true. But Reuben, you are still my strong right arm. Why don't you act like it? <laughs> Why don't you just step up? You know, Gad, I, I don't remember the, the English derivative of their names. Gad means a troop. It means that, that there's strength of numbers in that man. Why don't you act like it? Judah, your name means praise to God. Why don't you act like it? What is wrong with you? You have great opportunities and great blessings. But it's easy to point fingers at people who've lived thousands of years ago because they had greater blessings and greater opportunities than we have. I mean, well, could you imagine? That, bring that to the forefront. We can apply that to today. Yeah, I mean, they had, they had their father that taught them in the tradition and the teachings, and they were not able to, to hold up. And here, we not only have the teachings and the traditions, but you've got the Word of God available. Uh, there are three of us here at this table, and then one behind the, the producer's oh, microphone. <laughs> and the three of us here have all looked up Scripture in the last two minutes on our phones, on our cellular devices. We were able to scroll through the Scripture and look up the cross-references for the words that we wanted all in an instant. And we have the audacity to look back at people thousands of years ago and say, I can't believe they didn't get it right. And they could be up in heaven right now, finger-pointing at us, saying, if I had everything they had, I would never have been this bad. There could be people in Sodom and Gomorrah that are owed an apology if God does not judge us yeah. for our depravity. Because Jesus himself said to the regions of what? that if you had had this information, even if Sodom and Gomorrah had, oh, had the information uh, uh, that uh, you have. Bethsaida and... Oh. Go ahead, Bethsaida. Oh. Okay. And Corzin. Thank you. Bethsaida and Corzin. If you had had the information that... Next one's for you. So. A, lot of, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of cobwebs just got kicked around. Yeah. <laughs> if you had had the same information, if Sodom and Gomorrah had the same information you had, they would still be alive today. Mm -hmm. What a judgment to them. And, of course, their response to that is, yeah, yeah. we're going to have to kill you. Uh -huh. we, we have to stop this, this kind of rhetoric because it's not going to be good when it for comes us. To the, when it comes to the word and when it comes to the law, the law and the word is not to make you comfortable. The law shows you your faults 
and it brings you to the foot of the cross. Nobody is justified by the law. No one can be good enough. Okay, and if you say, I'm all right, I'm all right with God, I'm comfortable, everything is okay, and I really don't need to get close with God or get into his word because everything is going okay, then you're going down the wrong path, and that's how people standing at the Red Sea, seeing the ten miracles or ten judgments on Egypt, having the pillar behind him, still didn't get it. Well, I'm going to tell you where we're going with this. Where, where we're going with this is that the church today has a great privilege because the world has provided us an opportunity where people are confused and people are forced to make decisions that impact uh, their day-to-day work. They're forced to make decisions as to what level of comfort they have and you guys know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. so i'm not talking about those issues i'm talking about the choices and decisions people have to make that that are difficult ones and as we face these difficult choices and these difficult challenges the enemy can use these as an opportunity to to distract us and then the church divides and then the church gets angry and the church chooses sides and this church thinks this and that church thinks that and these people in this church think this and these people in that church think that and what we do is we become completely ineffective for the kingdom we've allowed the enemy to take our circumstances raise them to the level that they are the only thing that we can see in front of us and everything that we view we view through the lens of the circumstances that surround us. And that's a terrible place to be. To allow an enemy to have blinded us by this, that's awful for, for God's church. So we, the church, we need to take step one. And step one is to get into the Word. To know the Word of God, to get to know Him more, to get to know Him better. Step two This is, of course, after you've been saved. Step two is to make sure you get in a good Bible-teaching church, not just a Bible-believing church. But make no mistake, when you walk into a church and you have an opportunity, please ask the pastor, can you please tell me what your belief is on the Bible? And if the pastor turns to you and says... What is it you'd like to know? Ask him very clearly. I would like to know if you believe that the Bible is inspired by God and is without error from the very first in the beginning of Genesis to the very last amen of Revelation. And if he says yes, then give that church a chance. Find out if that church is a place where you can be fed, where you can grow, where you can get fully equipped, and where you can plug in and serve. And if that pastor says, well, most of the Bible has your your headed down shaky ground. Or, you know, when you're asking that, are you asking that because you want to somehow paint me into a corner? Look, it's difficult for me as a pastor to preach that there really were dinosaurs and an only six-day creation. I'm telling you, leave that church now. Is that a, uh, 
Is that a bold statement? You bet it is. If the church does not believe the word of God is infallible and inspired, that church is not a healthy church. So, so step one and step two. Can I ask you Get a question? Uh, why? Why? Because they cannot. Thanks, Tom. He stole my question. They cannot equip you for the work of the ministry if they do not know what that looks like. Hmm. They, they cannot know how to engage people to truly trust that the Word of God has the answer for life's eternal questions when they have not settled the issue that the Word of God has the answer for the immediate questions. Jesus Christ said, so that you may know the Son of Man has power to forgive sin, I tell this crippled man, rise and walk, so he can see the physical to believe the spiritual. God gave us the physical so we could believe the spiritual and Re uh, Romans chapter 1 says that the evidence surrounding us is so great that we are without excuse. When we look around at the creation that God has made and we dare to look up into the heavens and say, there is no God because there is no creator, we are, according to God's word, fools. And if you start with that premise, you cannot have the truth, saying, if I can't trust God with my past, how can I trust him with my future? So it goes to the point that I want to make. You have to make up your mind whether you think God is a strong God or weak God. If he's a strong God, he can, pro he can preserve his word. He will tell you the truth, okay, and he will keep his promises. If you don't believe the word is true, then that's a weak God who might not keep his word, who might abandon you. Because Christ said, I will never leave you nor abandon you. Oh, and I will be with you even until the end of the age. Yep. You so, so, so it's, it's the balance between you know what? Go strong God or weak God. But the, it's the con Go back to before cell phone days back to the 12 tribes, back to all in history. And you can, no matter what electronic devices and technical stuff we have, it goes to the same thing. The people listen to the leaders and the people that they believe should be leading them. Back in biblical days, they looked to the people that could read the scrolls to say, hey, this is how we're supposed to live and this is the law. Bring it to today. The same thing happens. The, the, the problem comes is that how do people gauge false teachers or a church they shouldn't be at that's where we're at where they're, they're not going to go they a lot of people just want to be led back from biblical days look he's got the scrolls let's listen to him and then they go off on their own same thing in, in modern day what do, how do they judge if they're not studying the word yeah you, they can't you know that they can't judge the, the standard is the word we know that but people a lot of people are just going out blindly looking for a church and if they f it's a feel good church and there's some out there that uh, are more superficial than others and not getting the full gospel how do these people decide to to uh, get th to that's the question i have i didn't mean to interrupt any of these no that's Go ahead. how does somebody decide i mean the pastor and i talked about this so many times Liz, we are we are in 2021 and uh, we are no longer in the age where you have to go into a yellow pages and scroll down your finger and then look up an address and find on a map where that church is you can go to their website and i if 
if you're anywhere within the hearing of my voice, you have the ability to go to a church that has websites, and almost every church, if not every church, has a website. Do not grade them on the complexity or the glitz and glamour of their website. Grade them on the content in the website. When you see the website and it says, this is ABC Church, look for something called Statement of Faith. And if it says they believe the Bible is without error, if they believe in something, sometimes it might say we believe in the Apostles' Creed. Sometimes it, it might not say that, then that's a good place to start. If they believe the Bible is the Word of God and they are teaching the Bible with clarity and with the authority of it being the truth, then that's a good place to start. Line up the church with the Bible. Uh, there are good resources out there. I can can get you some. Uh, ten signs of a healthy church, ten signs of an unhealthy church, things like that for people who are looking. But the reality is, go to the website and look. See if anything that they have lines up, if everything that they have lines up with the Scripture and the Word of God. For instance, and this is going to get a little tricky here, but I have to speak the truth. God has called men to be pastors. There are churches that have women pastors. I'm sorry that they have women pastors. You've asked me a question, Rick, and I'm going to answer your question. That's fine. And the truth is that God calls men to be the leaders in the churches. He calls men to be the leaders in the churches because he wants us to be the ones who are the lowest minister. Jesus Christ said, as you have seen me, do likewise. So the last night that he was here, when he demonstrated the physical so we could believe the spiritual, he took a towel and wrapped it around his waist, and he washed his disciples' feet. You don't think that that is um, perhaps a great act, because sometimes we go to foot-washing services and the like. But the truth is, no one got down and said, I want to be the servant to all of the others. And Jesus said, I want to be the servant to all of you. Not just to each of you, to all of you. It's my heart's desire to be the lowest servant to make your life better. Then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays for hours, inviting them to pray. Eventually he then covers the iniquity and the sin of a man named Peter, allows for them to have complete freedom and liberty, and will go to be beaten and go to the cross of Calvary. This is Jesus saying, I want you to do this. I have set you the example. God never wants women to be that point man in the battle. God wants men to be that point man in the battle. We fight the battle on our knees. We fight the battle in the trenches. We fight the battle with the, with the towel wrapped around our waist, washing each other's feet. Who in the marital relationship should be the one to cherish the other? And if somebody says the husband, they get a gold star. Because Ephesians 5 says the husband must cherish his bride. Jesus Christ cherishes his bride. It is not cherishing for your bride to put her in the front of the battle, say, honey, I know there's a bad man coming to the door. You go get him. I'll run for help. No. Men, we are called to more than this. Women, we are called to be held in high regard by our husbands. Allow them to protect and 
to defend, and to minister and to serve. Unfortunately, in churches in the world, we've taken ministers and elevated them to a place of, we'll, we'll just call it lordship. Mm-hmm. Not that they're worshipped, but that they lord it over. And we feel as though that's the position. There is a spiritual authority that has to be worn with the greatest of humility. And Jesus Christ had the greatest absolute spiritual authority, and he wore it with the greatest absolute humility. So if Jesus Christ, according to Philippians chapter 2, being equal with God, would humble himself and fashion himself as a man and be obedient even to the death of the cross— if you're a pastor, by golly, you need to be humble and to serve as Christ did. When you do that, that you can then have the freedom to be able to speak truth as the spiritual leader and authority in truth as you lead your flock. But a shepherd loves his sheep, is known by them, cares for them, and gives his life for them. Our wives are to be cherished and protected. Does that mean they are not valuable? They might might be wonderfully gifted teachers. Praise God if they are. They might be a great, super helpmeet. Great, I'm glad that they are. I can tell you this, my wife is a wonderful woman, and she's great. And if you were to ask her, and she has been asked many times, you know the Bible so well, you are such a gifted speaker, Why are you not a pastor here also? She said, because God has called my husband to be the pastor. He's called my husband to be the head of my home. He's called my husband to be the head of this church. Why would I want to argue and fight with God? I want to receive the blessing that God has given me in that. And it blows my mind that people want to take it and and turn it. Uh, But perhaps it's because, I don't want to get into the reasons, but maybe it's been misrepresented. Maybe others have been hurt. But when God... When God's order is followed God's way, there is great blessing in the home and in the church. So when you go to the website and you see that, that's a big red flag. If there's, you know, Mr. and Mrs. We try to be very careful at Calvary Chapel of Hamilton because people sometimes say it fast when they say it's Pastor Vince and Diane. It's not Pastor Vince and Pastor Diane. It's Pastor Vince and my wife, Diane. And my wife is wonderful. And like I said, she's a she's a. Terrific woman and a great teacher, but she's not called to be a pastor. And so look for that on the website. Look for that to see, uh, do they teach the Bible? Uh, Even check their uh, sermons in the past and see what it is that they're teaching. And many churches even have them online. You can, in their archive, you can probably download one. And in fact, here in 2021, look at how great things have gotten today. You can even probably live stream one on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night and see what it is that's actually coming out of out of their mouths and hear if it lines up with God's word. But yeah, it's risky to everything to must there. line up with God's word. And he may say things again and have rules that you might feel uncomfortable with in today's mindset but when you stand before god every man will 
will be accounted the spiritual head of his family. So men and women don't stand the same way when they stand before God. You know, like if you say, oh, well, it was her job to teach the kids about God and be the spiritual leader in the household. He's going to say, no, that was your job. Now, you, if you advocated that to her, that's a mark against you. You're supposed, men in the household are supposed to be the spiritual leader of the house. Uh, again, the same thing in the church because they're supposed to be the servant leader. And I know you heard that from a long time mm -hmm. ago because the big, great big controversy, they lead by serving. And they're supposed to serve their family. And in serving their family, they, they lead. Well, here in this country, one of the, and we'll call it one of the um, failings for church growth, is that churches in this country really do not face regular, consistent persecution. Churches in this country face mild persecution and that sporadically. Like we, we, as church, in fact, our church, we haven't faced persecution till this last COVID. Uh, that's when you start to get the shutdowns and you start to get the mandates and you start to get things that are in absolute contradiction to the teaching of God's word. And churches across America were forced to make a, church, a choice. In fact, churches all over the world were forced to make a choice. So as they make that choice, the persecution started to come. And, it, and in this country, in this state, religious leaders were arrested, put in jail, because they held church services. That's a big deal. So you need to find uh, a church that is biblically, bi biblically based, that teaches the word of God, and that would not want their wife to go to prison if somebody came to arrest the pastor. If somebody comes to arrest the pastor of Calvary Chapel of Hamilton, I will not be thrilled to death about it, but I will be the one to stand up and say, here am I. I won't hide. I won't abscond. I will stand up because I believe, and I believe that the church needs to know that their pastor stands with conviction for the truth that he believes. And if I ha dare allow my wife to be held up as the pastor and go to prison and be mistreated, listen, I I'm, not, I'm not nearly as afraid of, of the court of public opinion as I am what James says when he said, let not many of you be teachers mm -hmm. because you will suffer the greater scrutiny. So when I stand before God and I will give an answer for every man, woman, and child that he has permitted to come into this fellowship, and I will answer for their eternal soul, and I will stand there in judgment of God, I, I can't imagine the shame I would feel if I put someone else in that place, let alone my wife in that place, or just as bad, your wife in that place, because then there's a double shame. Shame on you and shame on me. So, yeah, I get, I get passionate about it because the church that's not being persecuted uh, 
there's a lot of people that want that that job. Then we can assume a church that's very large is doing the right thing. Very large is doing the right thing. Wow. As a church that you're talking about. So if we see a church has 5,000 members or these mega churches, and you know who I'm ta- what I'm talking about, so you, can you assume they're, they're preaching the right word or doing the word the right way? Here's what I would assume. <laughs> if you have a church of 5,000 people, I would assume you have an excellent website. <laughs> and if you, have, if, if you don't, shame on you because you're missing a resource. If you have 5,000 people or more in your church, and you have an excellent website, you have given great opportunity for people to know whether or not your church is healthy. Well, is can it, you assume it's healthy because it has that many people? Oh, can my goodness. Can you assume a, a church that meets every week that fills a stadium is healthy? Uh, no, you can't. No. You can't assume a church is, is healthy because a lot of people go there. Nor can you assume a church is not healthy because a few people go there. Right. There are some very good Bible-preaching churches that have— very small congregations and those congregations are equipped for the work that they're given they reach into the community they love the people in their community and they are maybe better trained in navigating through the word of god than many christians in larger churches i I will tell you that if you go to an extremely large church You have to be extremely careful because many large churches have this as their philosophy, and this is not necessarily sinful, but it is a, we'll just call it a a difference that I have with them. And that is they believe that Sunday morning is an opportunity for them to present not necessarily a gospel, but a time for them to come and present themselves before God and fellowship together, worship together, and not go real deep in the Bible, certainly not handle doctrine on Sunday mornings. Many of these are called seeker-sensitive churches, and they don't say it with apology. That's exactly what they believe, and they're not trying to hide it, and they're not trying to, to debate it, and nor do I want to debate with them. If that pastor believes he's called for Sunday morning to have a seeker-sensitive service and lots of people come, and his own words, these are two pastors that I can name, have said, and we do not go deep on Sunday morning. That's what the rest of the week is for. They can get their discipleship on Monday night. They can come to deeper uh, studies on Tuesdays. Throughout the week, we offer courses during the day, and we offer courses at night. I want them to come and grow deeper, but Sunday morning is an opportunity for us to celebrate and rejoice. I'm like, okay, that is different. I have, I have a different view of what Sunday morning should be, so I don't do that in our church. I would encourage you that if you attend that church, see if that's what the Bible would, the Holy Spirit would make you comfortable with, let me put it that way, and see to it that if you go on Sunday morning, that you also go throughout the week to get fed, to get in the Word, to get fully equipped. I can tell you that one of those pastors has recently come out. He's at a church that has had thousands of people in it for years, and he looked back over the last 20 years of his ministry, and he said, it has not been as effective as I had hoped. I wanted people to come, but the reality is that the group of people that come on Sunday morning— 90% of them don't come back until the next Sunday morning. 
so only 10% of the people that come on Sunday morning are actually digging deeper throughout the week. So he has thousands of people that may never get what Paul would record as the meat of the word. They're only getting the milk of the word and good time of praise, and we'll call it praise and worship, gathering together with, with that fellowship that is by their definition shallow. So I would encourage you to find a church that's deeper, stronger, committed to the teaching of the Word of God. And if they're a big church, they'll have a good website and it won't be hidden. It'll be clear. Because you're going to need to be well-grounded and and have a firm foundation as to what could be coming up very soon in the world. Well, you know, we, uh, we know that in this world you will have trouble. In this world, you know, the word, we don't like the word trouble. Uh, the, that word is the word tribulation, because we don't like that tribulation. Uh, it's not the great tribulation. The great tribulation is going to be an horrific time where I personally believe the Bible teaches very clearly that the church is not here. We're caught up into heaven uh, immediately following that event called the rapture. We are with Jesus Christ, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So we don't have to worry or be concerned about the great tribulation. But in this life, you will have tribulation. You're going to have trouble if you name Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I, first, I want to apologize because many people have misrepresented Jesus Christ and done things that have caused great harm and hurt. For instance, as I talked about men being the heads of homes and men being the heads of uh, churches, men being pastors, there are many men who have abused that position and have used it to bring hurt. I'm sorry. There are many men who have misinterpreted the Bible and caused oppressive circumstances and mistreated their wives and perhaps even their children because of their interpretation using the Bible as a lever to oppress their family. And that's terrible. Those men are not following the teachings of the Word of God with any clarity, certainly not cherishing their wife and so forth. Can, Go ahead, Doc. You want to um, say something? Um, can, you, can you attribute that to concentrating on only certain sections of the Bible, certain uh, verses? Because I think if you read the whole thing, you can't be that way. If you can't be that way, and well, let's go back to the very first sentence. You can't be that way and be comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you comfortable with it? Am I comfortable with it? Well, when you mistreat your wife, are you comfortable with it? That's something you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be really. <laughs> it can be dangerous. That's like that question. Have you, have you stopped beating your wife, John? <laughs> well, you know, real quick, the, uh, a lot of people would ask you as a pastor, what level of knowledge do I need to have to know I'm safe? How much do I really need to know? We have classes that most people don't come to. And most churches are the same way. They don't come out for the deeper. They come out for the Sunday morning. So how much knowledge? Well, you could say, I guess, how, people like to know how much knowledge is safe. And I know once we... Well, go ahead. I'll leave that. That's an excellent question. I'll leave that there with you. In order for one to be saved, they have to have enough information to be able to take it from the mental uh, consent or assent yeah. to bringing it into their heart. Uh, 
Just to have the knowledge that there is sin doesn't help. Just have the knowledge that there's a God doesn't help. Just have the knowledge that there's probably a God who's better than I am is a good step, but that won't save you. They have to know the truth, and there's only one place where the truth is found, and that's in the Word of God. So they have to know some of the Word of God. And you might say, wait a minute, I, I thought that that is, uh, that we're saved by faith, and it's only a matter of grace alone by faith alone. There's no works. Now you're telling me I have to know the Bible. No, you have to know the truth of the Bible. Somebody put it this way. There are a lot of people who are not saved because they have never met a Christian or because they have. <laughs> and it's a problem because sometimes we misrepresent the truth. Well, you said, but in James it tells us faith without works. That's true. Faith without works is dead faith. But the reality is when... When Paul is confronted with a man in Philippi, the guy is a, uh, well, he's referred to as the jailer, but he clearly mistreated Paul and Silas. And when he mistreated them, I understand he was given information that said how terrible they were, but he took it upon himself to really treat them harshly. And in treating them harshly and God setting them free, he then came in, fell down at his feet, and he said, good men what must I do to be saved? And their response is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. One simple sentence. But it's in the Word of God because it's the authority of God that saves, not the authority of Pastor Vince or the authority of Joe or the authority of Doc. It's the authority that is behind our words. So we speak the truth, the words of the true and living God found in the Scripture. And because we know that truth and we share that truth with another, they must believe that truth. Is Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God? Yes. Is he Savior? Yes. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Believe on Jesus Christ and you will be saved. God's not trying to make it difficult. He's trying to make it clear. And if you believe, you want to know more about what you believe. You just don't say, oh, I believe, and you don't know anything, and you don't have a desire to get closer to Christ because it's not information, it's relationship, and that's the key. It's not ritual, it's a relationship. Well, and, the spirit of every man is dead outside right. of Jesus Christ, that as a result of the sin in the Garden of Eden, Man is born in iniquity. It's called born and conceived in original sin. The sin of Adam transfers for all of his progeny. That's you and me. And unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Paul writes that the spirit is made alive. Peter reiterates that and says, the spirit, like the King James says, the spirit is quickened. It's made alive in Christ Jesus because our spirit was once dead. I was dead in my trespass and sin. Now I have been made alive in Christ Jesus. When you find that truth, you need to share that truth with other people. Once someone, for instance, that Philippian jailer, let's go back to him. He had one sentence, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That man believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and was saved. His next act is to take Paul and Silas back to his home and clean up their wounds. So the faith produced the works. 
Up until he had the faith, he had no reason to take and wash their wounds. Wasn't that Nebuchadnezzar with Daniel when he said, what must I do to be saved? Nebuchadnezzar, very probably you're going to find him in heaven. So yeah. after his... Be- because they didn't have Jesus back then. Right. Okay, now with the Jews, they believe in a God. And Jesus didn't come, so how, how do they get there? Right, so what's your question? Your question is, before Jesus came, right. how were people saved? Right, because that's a question you get. So then but people would equate that, well, Jesus wasn't there. Nebuchadnezzar's in heaven because Daniel told him to believe in God, not in Jesus, right? Correct. So then people want to say, well, how come the Jews are lost? Because God gave them... One... God, you want to answer that? You're like... You're I, like I, 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 I... When... when just Ever someone tells me, you know, what happens to those people, I always point to Job. Job knew, and Job, uh, uh, 1925, he says, I know my Redeemer lives, and even after my death, I will see my Redeemer in the flesh. And that's the resurrection, and he knew his Redeemer. He knew he had to be redeemed, and he knew he was going to be redeemed and the only one that could redeem him would be God. And if you look for God, no matter what time, and, and when I'm saying that time in a day, like what age you were in, you will always find him. You know, that very same question was asked of the Apostle Paul, which is a wonderful place to go. So as he's writing to the church at Rome, by the time you get through all of the first eight chapters, which are magnificent, and you finish up with there is no separation from God in chapter 8, he begins with chapter 9, then 10, and 11. And in chapter 9, he talks about Israel. And he said, so you feel as though there's no benefit for you being a Jew. Let me tell you great benefits. Three magnificent benefits. Your history. God has loved you and blessed you and entrusted you with, well, his blessings, but two things, the promised seed, the Messiah, coming, and the word of God. And you did a great job preserving the scrolls. Great kudos to you, (laughs) Israel, for preserving the scrolls. Mm -hmm. However, when it came to the Messiah, you completely rejected him. So your past says that you're stubborn and stiff-necked because you don't want to listen to the Word of God when it seems not to line up with what it is you want. So your expectations are not met by God. God must be wrong. You're making a bad decision. He said then, gets to chapter 10 and says, but now your current situation, you are blessed by God because God has used you to be an example even to the Gentiles. Even in your captivity, we looked at the captivity earlier, even in your captivity, God used you as an example to the Gentiles, and he used you as a blessing while you were in captivity. So wherever you go, bloom because God wants to use you. This is the nation of Israel. Why won't you yield and trust him? And then third, in chapter 11, it says, and you have a glorious future hope. God's not finished with you. All Israel's going to be saved. He's going to take you, and he's going to restore you and renew you and make of you a great people, just as he promised. So don't be afraid. So can the Jews be saved? Of course the Jews can be saved. The problem is they want to be saved on their terms. Mm. So, um, by the way, 
That's the average condition of the average heart in the world today. I want to be saved, but I want to be saved on my terms. I want a God that is going to accept this type of choice and decision in my life. And if he's not willing to accept this choice and decision in my life, he can't be a loving God, so I will not have him rule over me. So just get right, back. Hold on one second, Joe. Uh, before we go any further, we do have a prayer request. So let's take a commercial break. Then you can ask the pastor your question. Um, but I've got to get him to get this prayer request in. So let's we'll be back in just a few minutes, folks. Our phone number, area code 609-593-9654. Once again, 609-593-9654. And we'll be right back. Calvary Chapel, Hamilton. I'd like to invite you to join us in worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. You can also join us for live stream service on YouTube each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Each week is filled with excitement at Calvary Chapel, Hamilton. On Wednesday, we offer an adult Bible study as well as Awana for the kids and youth group for the teens. Monday evenings, we continue our series of deeper exploration of critical topics, currently the Revelation. Our passion as a church is to help others learn how to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Other specialized services and events are listed on our website at www.cchamilton.org. God bless. Olivia from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Looking for a place to hang out with family and friends and have a great time too? Rocco's Townhouse, 21 North 3rd Street in Hamden, New Jersey is the place for you. Dave and Steve Ruberton have kept traditions of the townhouse alive and well for more than 35 years. Open Tuesdays through Sundays at 3 p.m. Rocco's Townhouse has a very large selection of micro-brewed beers, both on tap and bottled. Along with daily dinner specials, you will never walk away hungry. And if you're looking for something different, located just downstairs, is Rock Bottom Whiskey Bar, opened every Friday and Saturday night at 6 p.m. and featuring live music from some of the greatest local bands in the area. Have your next event at Rocco's Townhouse and Rock Bottom Whiskey Bar. Rocco's Townhouse, 21 North 3rd Street, Hamilton, New Jersey, is the place where everyone is meeting. Visit them online at roccostownhouse.com or give them a call at 609-561-9384. That's 609-561-9384. Everyone meets at Rocco's Townhouse. 
Now back to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo on WNJHradio.com. Thanks again for joining us and for uh, sticking with us. Uh, we tell you, please call if you have a comment or a, a praise or an encouragement. We, we like encouragement, too. And questions. And questions. Uh, and also prayer requests. So we have uh, one prayer request. It's uh, from a woman named Sheila praying for a friend of hers, Dan, who's recovering in the hospital from surgery. So we're going to pray for Dan right now. Father, we come to you and we ask you to, uh, Lord, give him a speedy recovery. Uh, ask you to give the doctors a steady hand uh, and supernatural wisdom to be able to do what is necessary. But more than that, Father, we ask you to give him the strength to do what is necessary to fully recover. But physical aside, I have no idea what his spiritual condition is. Help him to know that uh, you're a God who loves him and doesn't want him to be alone. You want to be the comfort and the strength to surround him and hold him up, uh, to be there for him and with him. And you, the great physician, we ask you to, uh, to touch him even as, uh, as we speak and just be there to allow a sensitive heart for him to be able to know you. If he knows you personally, then encourage and strengthen him. If he doesn't know you personally, then introduce yourself and meet him right where he is. And we give you all the praise in that name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So Amen. thank you. Thank you for praying for Dan and praying, um, giving us that prayer request. It is good. I want to give uh, just a few minutes before we head out of here. Um, I did get a text from someone who said, please quit picking on the Jews. <laughs> we don't want to pick on the Jews. We love the Jews. I work with a Jew. And uh, is it okay to say I work with a, I work with a person of, yeah. who is Jewish? Yes, that's more political. Thank you. I, want, I, want to be, I don't want to be offensive. He's a friend. I work with a person who is Jewish. I don't want to uh, offend or insult, but I do pray for salvation for the nation of Israel because um, God says he has um, caused their eyes to be stapled shut. It's difficult for them to be able to see, yet they're the apple of his eye. Uh, one thing in all the, blessing, ahead, all the blessings that you were mentioning that he gave them, you know, with the, with the, uh, the land, the, the sea. Yeah. He, preservation. Yeah. I, I don't know of any Hittite. I don't know. Well, you know, it's interesting. Right. Uh, <laughs> the nation of Israel has, has that, I'm glad you pointed that out, has the promise that there is always going to be a nation of Israel. There, they may be scattered. There may be a remnant. There, there may be only a few seemingly, but God will hold them together. There is no such promise for Americans. There's no such promise for any other nation in the world. And, and he said he was going to bring them back, and he has. Yes, he has. So, hey, uh, since we're on that subject real quick, didn't Joe have a question? Before Joe we has a to, question. Before Did we I? To, before we went to commercial well, break. Well, the only other promise that is solid, like the, like the Jewish the Jewish have, is the promise of whoever believes in Jesus Christ is their Savior. It's not an American. It's a, it's a, a Christian. Yeah. But anyway, we were just talking. We were going to go back to uh, real quick when we talked about how much knowledge... We said that the Jewish people had a lot of knowledge, and there's a lot of people in the in the biblical times had a lot of knowledge that didn't help them, or it did. Uh. Isn't that funny? It didn't help them, or it did. <laughs> yeah, the same is true today. There are people who have all kinds of knowledge, but if if you don't have wisdom, then it won't benefit you or anyone else. Uh, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, and knowledge is something that you can have, and wisdom is how you take that knowledge and apply it. Mm. So how you apply that 
Is that knowledge? And in between, there's understanding. Oh, okay. And in between, there's understanding. <laughs> I do want to give just a, a little uh, encouragement to you that, you know, as we look at the nation of Israel, when we pray for the nation of Israel, there are some changes that are taking place over there. I understand that the United States is now uh, offering Contem- an operating... Contemplating. Go ahead. Contemplating what? Uh, 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 opening up a consulate, consulate for the Palestinians, which is kind of odd. Both... both um, uh, Bennett and Netanyahu, that's both sides of the aisle, are kind of like against that. And that would lead one to kind of like divide the land, which you shouldn't do. So the the question, I just want to give a heads up so that the United States of America wants to open a consulate in Israel yeah. for, the, for Palestinians. the Palestinians. Would that be something like the country of China wants the United States, wants to open up a consulate for Taiwan in the United States. Would that be similar? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. it sounds kind of foreign to me. Well, well, but, it but sounds the kind thing of is odd that... to me that, that if, if Israel wanted to open up a consulate for the, the Palestinians, Palestinians, that Israel is the country where we only have our... Um, Give me what is it that we have located now in Jerusalem? Yeah, we have our embassy in Jerusalem, and now we want to establish and recognize Palestine as a country. Is as that a, as a distinct just, pe- uh, people group? Well, as they're a people group, but are yeah, they? A, but the thing is, historically, are they a people group? Well, are they currently recognized as a as a nation? As, as they, well, they're w- currently recognized as a people group, well, as but there was a, never a nation of Palestine. Right. That would, but that would be a a beginning to a, this two two, st- two state solution, solution. Yeah. which is not a very good idea. Okay. Just on the on the on on a bib, on the biblical plane. Right. This is not to, this is not to cause or stir up or get anybody looking no, no, to no, say, no. "Oh my goodness, the time is short." Uh, we already know the time is short, <laughs> but we've known the time is short for years, and every generation has the immediacy. Paul the apostle wrote to the church at Thessalonica. In fact, while he was there for only three Sabbaths, so no more than four weeks, he told them the to be short. prepared because the Lord is coming back soon. And we live in that very same, the Lord is coming back soon. So you don't have to be afraid. Now, if the Lord decides to be merciful for another 20 years or 200 years, uh, our job is not to predict the future. Our job is to prepare the men and women of our current day and age to faithfully do the work of the ministry, which is make disciples of all men. Preach the word in season and out of season. Encourage, exhort, and strengthen. So that's our job, and that's our responsibility. My job is not to get a crystal ball and to try to determine when the Lord's return is going to be. But when I see these things start to happen in Israel, I just point them out because in our lifetime, it could be any moment. So, shocker that the Lord has not come back already. One day he will, and it will be a surprise to many. Thank you very much for that little quick update. Okay. On I'll, that. I'll really, really be really, really tight on, on Israeli news. Well, we'd like to have a out. few things to share that are encouraging mm-hmm. yeah. concerning the nation of Israel because they're the apple we of have his a question. eye. Go ahead. What's the question? 
is there a Sicilian consulate in Italy? <laughs> okay. I, I, that I would be... Uh, is there a Sicilian consulate? Uh, we know who asked Oh, that. my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, that, that is a question only these guys could deal with. Now, uh, you're one of us. Uh, <laughs> we'll let you research well, that. God guy. bless you guys. Thank you for tuning in. It has been uh, awesome as always. If you want prayer to be encouraged, call in, and uh, we want to encourage you. Thank you very much, guys, for being here, Joe. It was a Our pleasure. pleasure. Doc, thank you very much. My pleasure. And thank you for not talking about the other things that we spent a lot of time talking about over the months. So, it was hard. Doc, Doc was like the, the cat that canary. Uh, what's that old phrase? The cat, the cat that swallowed the canary. Yeah, well, You're ready to go with all that crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, look, we we need to get fully equipped, and we're going to take the time to yeah. equip each other. We need other. The, the, we need we need spiritual medicine before we need any anything else. Plus, if anyone's out there that really wants to hear something, the next time we get together, you can always call or text the numbers and say, "Hey, you know what? Can you talk about this or answer this question Ooh. for next time?" Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Very, he's a very smart guy. Well, some things that are going to be topics over the next weeks are going to be, you know, there there's some things that our generation did that were not as effective. Some have said that they were failures, and let's just say that they were I, failures. I know who said that. Let's just say <laughs> that they were failures, mm-hmm. and I, uh, I can concur or agree. Uh, so, I do believe that. But now we have the following generation coming up. And we're now the grandparents. As the grandparents or that grandparent age generation, we're now, we should be viewed as the wise sages who dispense wisdom. We're often not thought of that way. We're often thought of as you guys had your chance. You fouled it up. Why do you want to keep pressuring us to replicate your mistakes? We got it. Go away and try to figure out your cell phone. So, <laughs> Ooh, ouch! Ouch! Wow. It's kind of that—that's kind of an attitude that seems to be pervasive, and we, as the mature, we need to be wise, and we need to stop just spewing our opinions. But we need to be careful, and we need to be carefully encouraging and strengthening, and giving counsel and advice when it is warranted and asked for. And when we do that, I think we will be viewed as wise. So we're going to look at that over the next weeks with some of the wisdom that we have that, that we can share. Doesn't that happen with every? Weren't we at that same point at one time when we yeah, were? That's how I mean, we fouled it up. Yeah, what's that? That's how we fouled it up. Because <laughs> we fouled the proof. We, we 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 know what we're doing. You guys have ruined it. We're going to well, see. And I, turn. I, I I never remember feeling that way. You know, when I talk about my grandparents, and I'm I may be a little older than some. My grandparents were World War One. My parents were World War Two. Right. So I never looked at my grandparents saying, you guys fouled it up. You guys went through some terrible uh, depression era, and you set the tone. You, you, uh, my grandparents, my gran- personally, my grandparents were immigrants. Mm-hmm. So they came here, and with nothing, they built a life, and they did better and allowed the next generation to do better. And so forth. So I had pride for my grandparents. And then the parents, I didn't look at them and say, you fouled it up. They were the World War II generation. You guys were the respected generation. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the one before you was the Vietnam generation. Ding, 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 ding. And we fouled it up. 
Well, because it's we your said, fault. Yes, yeah, yeah. my well, and it's, it is. It's it is that, because mm. we filed it up. We said everybody that came before World War One, World War Two, Korean War, all of you were wrong. All of it. Well, hey, shame on but, you for but, not gleaning from but, my grandparents' wisdom. But right. but the thing is, our church had the revival at that time. We will. My generation was lost because we said. We're going to start all over again. Well, you know what? And that's when Chuck Smith said, start all over again in the Bible. Well, that's the difference. Because the generation that Vince is talking about is a generation that had the answer and didn't go past it. We got to a point in this country that we have the answer, but no, that can't be it. It can't be God. It can't be that easy. There's got to be something else. There's something else. We got to find it. That's wrong. That's an old book. Ancient, right. it, it just doesn't work. So we don't. We have the answer, but we're going to go past that. Because you, and we're you, going you, even more past it. Because you have to remember, that's when Watson and Crick, and that's when people came and said, we found life in a test tube. So therefore, everything that's gone before, the wisdom of God that has gone before, oh no, uh, life could spontaneously arise. Yeah, well, and and we and know I remember how that worked out. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. It, uh huh. Yeah, and that's not true. That experiment is totally false. But it's still in the it's still in the textbooks today. Well, when they come up with something better. But the thing is, we still have. If we messed it up, it's we still have Jesus Christ at the center. So, you know, that's where the hope is. Yeah. I well, mean, one of the things that I keep discussing with my friends, being you two for uh, one of the first groups. When I talk to you guys and we discuss these issues, it doesn't matter whether that's right or whether it should be, or because what should be, we've never we've never been able to get past. You know, Joe, you and I over the years, we have looked because I've known you for a generation. You know, when we look at issues and, and difficulties and challenges that we're faced, and we come to the conclusion, but that shouldn't be, hmm. never really matters. It's that shouldn't be. What do we do? Now, what do we do in response to that? And we can just say, well, that shouldn't be too bad. Or we can say, that is the, the way that they perceive us. What should we do? First, I, I would argue, we don't embrace that. We don't just say, you're right, I'm stupid. No, I've made mistakes in my life. But you're missing out on an opportunity from learn from the wisdom of perhaps even the mistakes I made. And you're destined to repeat them. So don't compound that by calling me stupid and you be a fool. So, so I, I remember when I said forward. when I was I was young when I was nineteen, and I reached the conclusion you can learn something from everybody, even mm -hmm. even their mistakes. You can learn something from everyone, and that's that's a way. And mm. you got to do the three things that you always say: read and study the scriptures, pray, fellowship. Well, right. Do those three things, and if you have a church that promotes that, but, reading well, and studying the scriptures. Guy Joe, you want to say something? There has to be a discussion. That's the what Vince is getting to. You can't say this is wrong. You blew it. We're going to take it from here. No, okay. Let's look at this. Let's look where we came from. Looks where looks look where we're at, and let's work together to make our future beneficial for all of us. Had we mess up, what's your idea? Let's discuss it. 
And it's less and less of that these days. There's more finger pointing and, you know, whatever's yeah. going on today. Well, I think when we get to the place where we have wisdom, and I, I, we'll, we'll look at this over the weeks to come, but at some point in my life, I learned that I didn't know it all. Wow. And when you come to that realization, because when you're, I'll use me, when you're in your early 20s, you really think you've got a handle on everything that's truly important. And since I then got married and had a child, I realized what's really important. And I realized, you know, over the years, I have made life pretty miserable for my mom when I made decisions that I knew that, <laughs> that were not the best of decisions. I mean, I wasn't really, the, you know, I wasn't bad from, you know, modern perspective, but I could have been so much greater and so much better for my mom. I could have been, I could have had a little greater level of responsibility and not just been so selfish. So at one point I called my mom and I asked her if she would go to lunch and I took her to lunch and I just started with, mom, I'm sorry. I can't believe I just did not see it. You tried to tell me, and I just didn't see it. And she said, I knew one, one day you would. I said, I appreciate that, Mom, but I want you to recognize that I appreciate your caring enough to even tell me those things and to love me so much. So those are things that, I, that took my ability, because, you know, when your parents are telling you things like, yeah, that's great, you just don't understand. They probably do understand more than we know. Praying moms have a special award oh, in heaven they are great <laughs> they got a special the praying mom award and all the moms out there that prayed for yeah. their kids we're getting to the end of the show we want to leave everybody with a smile on their face and a hope in their heart so where we go from here okay so god is so good um let's throw something out there and say you know when when daniel prayed he prayed fully relying on God's mercy. He said, God, because of your mercy, because of your name, because of who you are, we can rest with a confident hope saying, God, you'll never leave us or forsake us. You care about us. Yes, I understand. Sometimes you have to take us to the woodshed. Thank you for loving us enough to discipline us. What's the next step? We're here to walk with you, Lord. I'm, I'm excited about the days to come. Lord, how are you going to open doors and windows of opportunity for us to be able to proclaim you in the next six months uh, in this country? Because people are confused and hurting, but you're not confused, and you want to offer healing. So help us to be better equipped so we can do both. Proclaim him and his truth. Amen. Right, before, before we go, Pastor, and you say a final prayer, why don't you let our listeners know, you kept, you kept mentioning Daniel a lot tonight, so don't we have something relatively new at the church now on Monday nights? Now that you mention it. <laughs> Since you brought it up. We have an opportunity in our uh, church to have teachers to be able to share the Word of God with great clarity. One of the opportunities is on Monday nights, we have a Digging Deeper study, and it's the Book of Daniel. Now, the Daniel study is just beginning. So we had the introduction last week, and it's available online. I encourage you to go online and review the introduction, and then come with us on Monday night for this Daniel study. And then we have every other Monday night. It will be uh, the, 
The first Monday night is Daniel study. The second Monday night is a men's fellowship. So men, we gather at 6.30 on Monday night, and we come together and we share a couple of snacks and we encourage one another, pray for one another, and grow stronger and deeper in the Word. So please come out on Monday nights. If you're men, come out every Monday night. If you're woman, come out on Monday night for the... Every other. Every other Monday night. And then on Tuesday night is the women's Bible study. So please encourage one another with these words. You, know, you can go to the app store and download our app, the Calvary Chapel Hamilton app at, a, at your app oh, store. Joe, would you show me that again? You go to the app store you hit, you, and you uh, get our app. And in the app, it has you can connect with us. You can get more information. And you can see the live streams right there. You can, then you can go back in the archives and see what's going on. Why don't you face that way for a minute with it so our viewers can see it? Yep. You go to the church app. And it shows it needs you to come closer. Connect. There. The Connect app. Yeah, I mean, you connect, but there's a lot of things going on. A lot of things to do. It tells you about the Wanda Clubs and everything that's going on. But you go to your app store and you search Calvary Chapel Hamilton, download that app, and uh, you can just open that baby up and you can connect with us. You can look at the service times. You can give through that. There's a lot of different things you can do. Uh, you can look at all what you're saying, the Monday night. Everything's right there. So God bless you. Doc, would you like to close in prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We've been away for a little bit, but we've had a project going on, and we're rounding, winding up that project, Lord God, and we thank you for that, and we thank you for allowing us to be here. May we always be used by you to spread your word, Heavenly Father, that we may be in your will, Lord God, and walk in your way, Lord God that we may know you and know you more, love you and love you more, fellowship with you and trust and obey you more. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. By the way, we have a Wednesday night Bible study. Every Wednesday night we're going through the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, and then in the weeks to come we have the heart of the Father God. So mm. please follow us and join us, and uh, we'd love to see you. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us and listening to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo of Calvary Chapel of Hamilton. Join us next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for The Carpenter's Son on WNJHradio.com.